Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown. I see we have Celeste already joining us in the, well she's actually listening in <laughs> through her cell phone. The chat room is now open. Thank you so much for listening to Life Remix Radio. Today our subject is how to overcome spiritual discontentment, co-hosted by Dewan Colion. He cannot be with us today, so we will do a rebroadcast of one of our most popular past shows with Dee. And on that note, let's get ready to look into how to overcome spiritual discontentment. It's your girl, Cy Brown, right here on LifeRemixRadio.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown, and you know what today is. Today is Thursday, and every Thursday we learn lessons from the Bible and ancient wisdom in a non-traditional setting to live our absolutely best life we can. You know, I was listening to one of the recordings of the show, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I say absolutely so much. (laughs) But it's just such a good word for me, that word works. Um, it's a good day. I'm watching uh, a lot of news and stuff like that, and I see how Barack Obama put the smash down on Citibank with all that corporate jet buying stuff. It's about time somebody stood up to these bullies. I'm a little sick of that nonsense anyway. But aside from all of that, I was watching The View this morning, as I try to do on most days, and Elizabeth Hasselbeck, I think that's her last, Hasselbeck, Hasselbeck, whatever it is, well, no disrespect to her, but she is pregnant, and she's due in August. So now we are probably going to be subjected to all of her pregnancy mommy musings for the next eight months. And as much as I'm a mommy and I love my mommy duties and I love being a mommy and I love little ones saying, hi, mommy, and giving me hugs when you walk in the door, my kids are big. (laughs) I've got teenagers. And kudos to all of the pregnant women and how you want to share this magical time in your life. But I may have to find something else to watch at 11 o'clock every day because I don't know if I can stomach eight months of following her pregnancy, especially if she starts to do what Star Jones did about her wedding. So only time will tell. We're going to see how this is going to play itself out. But other than that, it's all good. Today is a good day. I've got Dee with us, and uh, we are talking about Spiritual discontentment. I think that's the word he used when we were chatting behind the scenes. So I'm going to bring him in right now. We're going to get this show popping, and we're really just going to find out what is going on and how we can fix it and how we can remedy it and what steps we need to take to better our life. So, my buddy, are you there? Yeah. Hi. What's going on? (laughs) How's ATL today? Uh, it's sunny and cold. Cold? What's the weather? What's the temp? Oh, um, well, you know, we punks down here, so... That's why I'm saying, what's the temp? <laughs> I think it's like 40-something. Okay, buddy. It's like in the 20s in New York, so how do you say, like, man up or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know how I mean, we do. What did you say, D? I said, you know how we do it. We used to... I mean, last week it was 70 degrees, so. You know, that's actually what made me move to Atlanta. My friend, my one of my best friends from high school. And, you know, after the hype is worn off and all the entertainment gets old and you know when to stand up, you know when you clap your hands, you know when, you know, the preacher's going to do his thing and kick it into another gear and you know, 
that at this particular point in the service, three people are going to get up and run around the service. When everything becomes monotonous, we realize that we still have this gaping hole, this void in our soul. Even though, you know, we're saved, we know the Lord, and et cetera, et cetera. If we're honest with ourselves, when nobody else is around, when we're in the house by ourselves or in the car by ourselves, and we sit and think, we're like, this is not it. Something is missing. We have a spiritual discontentment. It's a, it's an unexplained phenomenon that nobody really wants to deal with. Um, I gotta lay this out in certain, in a certain way. Um, what made me come to this uh, revelation is because you know, all throughout life. We do so many different things to fill that hole, that void that we experience. Um, whether it's, you know, go back to school, get another degree, get three degrees, try to get um, a better job, try to advance your career, start a business, let's have a baby. Um, there are different things that people do to try to fulfill themselves. And if, that, if those things don't work, then you have vices. You know, you got drinking and smoking and drugs and sex and eating and shopping. And then some people, you know, they only feel good when they're talking about somebody. So they gossip all the time or they hate all the time. Whatever it is, play video games, watch football, you know, we all do things to avoid the void that we have. Because somewhere uh, along the way, We've been sold a bill of goods by our local churches and pastors that the kingdom of heaven was something that you can observe. It's something that you can get. It's something um, that is tangible. And because we reach, we, we continually reach these different plateaus in our life, and then we realize, I got this, I got that, I achieved that. I'm doing this, I'm successful in this, and this is still not doing it, we realize people are beginning to wake up to the fact that the void is not going to be filled by that. So I'm going to switch gears and explain what made me really think about this. I was in the park downtown Atlanta, it's a place called Five Points, where they have a lot of homeless people that are there, even though the mayor has done uh, a lot to try to clean up the city, quote-unquote, to try to remove the homeless population because they think it's an eyesore. Um, we were down there celebrating somebody's birthday, and they wanted to do, like, um, feed the homeless and do a lot of uh, charitable projects for their birthday. So we're down there in the park, you know, calling ourselves going to go minister to some people. And God flipped us out because we came upon this couple it was a black man and a white woman. They were married, and they looked like they were in their 50s, something like that. And we came up and asked them, you know, do they need any help or assistance, et cetera, et cetera. And then they was like, oh, you know, they they were, they were told us they were fine, and they was like, you know, they appreciate us coming out. But then they said, hey, we want to sing a song for y'all. So we was like, okay, cool, sing a song. So they sing this song. And basically the song, you know, I'm not going to sing it, but the words, you know, the Why words, not? you know, I, I got booed off uh, American Idol three years ago, so I'm still not over that, you know, 
situation, so I'm not going to sing for y'all. <laughs> but they, the words to the song was basically, Jesus is the way. You need to get into a relationship with him. You need to trust him. It was uh, a spiritually deep song that they made up, and everybody's just sitting there. It's probably about 15 of us. We're in shock. And they proceed to tell us about their ministry they do as homeless people. They're homeless, and they've been homeless for two and a half years. And their job out here on the streets is to try to get um, these teenagers that run away from home or whatever their situation are is, uh, get them off the streets. And they were telling us about a 16-year-old girl that they found, you know, last week when it was real cold who froze to death. And they, you know, they find a lot of people who die on the streets, especially kids. And their job, they say, is to try to put families back together and get these kids to go back home. And, you know, I'm sitting here looking like, you know, okay, you got homeless people helping homeless people. <laughs> no. Um, then on top of that, these people are still married, and they've been married for a long time. And their situation and circumstance, their homelessness has not affected that. But let us, let somebody get laid off, let somebody, you know, have, we have financial issues or something happens and we, we're ready to do the paperwork and get divorced on the spot. But the most profound thing to me about them was like the Bible says is great godliness, great gain with contentment. They were content with their situation. They were, their situation did not affect them. It didn't matter if they were homeless or not. They were going to witness to whoever walked in that park or everywhere they went, there was going to be a light unto men. They were going to uh, lift Christ up so to draw anybody toward, towards him. It didn't matter what their situation was. And here we are acting like punks, and I'm talking about myself, you know, complaining about whatever it is we're complaining about because we don't have the latest technological gadget or whatever it is that we that we whine about why we can't, you know, be a better witness. And I'm sitting here watching homeless people do a better job than I do. And they if if you if you didn't know they was homeless, you you couldn't tell anything about them that would have said it based on their spirit or their countenance or the energy that was coming from. So it made me it really dispelled the myth that Church has told us that you gotta have this and you gotta walk in this and you gotta move in this and you gotta be this in order to be blessed or be of God or or be a witness. But that's not true because after that experience in the park, I, I had to go back and just think of um, what it meant to be the kingdom of heaven. First of all, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven doesn't come by observation. It, it, it's not about eating or drinking. This is what Christ said. So anytime when somebody has to tell you that what we're supposed to experience in the kingdom is something tangible or physical, they're wrong. They're not telling you the truth because the kingdom of heaven can't be observed. So if your favorite televangelist tells you, look at what I got, look at what I'm walking in, see how I'm blessed, see how I'm rolling, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom can't be observed. It's not. It's nothing tangible. If you turn, um, if you got your Bible, I know you got your Bible. You keep a sword. <laughs> or, yeah. Let me just read to you something really quickly in the chat room. Um, um, High Road said that's what marriage is supposed to be. 
Mama Smokey said, that is the path they chose to live. They are angels in disguise. She also put, I was told by a young man um, that I spoke to, uh, wait a minute. I was told by a young man that, wait, I was told by a young man I talked to, you told me in spite of the storm we are to, we, oh, wait, I'm so sorry. I was told by a young man I talked to, you told me in spite of the storm we are in, we have to hold fast to our faith. And, so, and I think that's exactly what they're doing. And that's a, that was an example. Maybe they were homeless to to make you see, you know, to put you in check. <laughs> Not you per se, but you so you can come tell us, you know, fall back. <laughs> you, you know, we're a little pretentious here. But anyway, go on. I'm sorry. What scripture are we turn into? <laughs> I want you to read it. Um, it's Matthew 18, verse 1 through 5. And what I'm going to uh, attempt to do is, since we're all, if we're honest with ourselves, have uh, a sense of spiritual contentment, we all have some type of hole. You, you know, your hole may not be as big as mine or vice versa, but we're all trying to find out what it is. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you I didn't, I have arrived or, or, or got there, but what I have discovered over the course of the last week is that there is a road map. There is a road map to get to that place of uh, peace, joy, and contentment. And what Sider Brown is about to read is one part of uh, the journey or the path, the road map to that. Uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. Let me know. When you got to say amen in the church. <laughs> Let the church say amen. <laughs> well, I've, I've been had it, Reverend. Um, I'm reading from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm reading from the New International Version, and it's uh, the Leadership Bible. So that's just for anybody who's got the burgundy cover. Uh, and the word of God reads as follows. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child, and he had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Uh, want me to just finish that little piece? Yeah, go through verse Yeah, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Okay. Basically, what it's saying, and this is part of the roadmap to understand what we're supposed to be if we're going to be truly in relationship, are we truly going to be in the kingdom of God? Is that he said you got to be converted back to a child, and what does that? What does this mean? It means a child has a, a type of innocence, a type of relationship that's not based on the expectation. When I come home from work, I got little kids, you know, three and four years old. When I come home from work, they're excited to see me. They bounce around, do cartwheels, swing from the chandeliers, they do all that stuff. Because their relationship with me is based on they're glad to see their father. Vice versa, that's how we're supposed to be with God. Our relationship should not be based on 
an experience or an expectation. We're supposed to uh, we're supposed to be glad to want to be around God without Him having to do anything. That's a true relationship. Unfortunately, we've been brainwashed and conditioned by you know the Western Church paradigm that you know God's going to do this. He's going to move you into this, and you're going to walk into that, and you're going And our whole relationship is based on what we believe or hope God is going to do, and then we call that faith. But that's not faith. I'll go into that later. Faith is not based on... It's a, it's, it's a trust level. It's a child's trust level relationship. Faith is not based on things that you can see. He said you walk by faith and not sight. The the perfect example is Joseph, who was a patriarch, who when he died, he told his sons, keep my bones, and when you all 400 years from now come into the promised land, take my bones and bury them in the promised land, even though they were in Egypt. And the Bible says that's faith, because he didn't, he didn't experience that. He didn't see that. He just... He had the trust and the faith in God that God was going to make sure his bones got buried. Whether he was there, obviously he wasn't to experience. Faith is not something that you expect or, I mean, you don't, it's not something that you work up to get something. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, if you're married or you're dating, the true sense of a relationship is that y'all can just sit home and just watch each other and not have to do anything. That's a true relationship. If the relationship is based on expectation or someone having to perform something or do something or get something or buy something, you really don't have a relationship. And that's why Christ can say in the end when so many people come to him and say, didn't we do this and didn't we do that and we did all this stuff in your name? He's like, I don't know you. Because right, right. the reality is we don't know him. Most of us don't. We know of him based on what he can do. We've turned his his authority or his power to bless, and we've made that the God. We've made that the idol. We've made his blessings and our expectations. When, if you go back to Matthew eighteen five, I mean, 18, he said in verse 3, Unless you be converted and become as little children, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You won't have that relationship. And as a note um, to that, it says, become without worldly ambitions to be the greatest and without lust for money, power, and fame as little children are who act among themselves as equals. See, the whole problem is we brought so much of the world system of thinking into the Christian mindset that it doesn't work because we've been taught, and I'm very guilty of this, it's in my DNA to have all these worldly ambitions. You know, I'm doing this business because I know God's going to blow it up and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. Right. The reason why you should be doing it. I mean, the thing is, just like those homeless people, you know, they kept telling us they were going to come out with a CD. And who am I to tell them they're not going to come out with a CD? But the right. fact that they sang their songs and they did what they were supposed to do because they were being a witness to Christ. And we've been taught to, you know, I want to be, I want to be a mogul. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to do it. We have all these entre- uh, uh, ambitions, and there's nothing wrong. There's a fine line between being content and um, 
settling. I don't, you know, God is not telling us to settle. But like children, he said, unless you convert to the mindset of a child, a child is content in all things. I, I remember in the same week I saw uh, a lady and her three or four-year-old uh, four child, they were sitting on the side of the street in the middle of a parking lot, and they were eating. And I knew, obviously, they weren't financially in a great spot, according to Western culture, because nobody sits on the, in the curb in the middle of a parking lot with their child. It just right. do that. But when I looked at the, the four- or five-year-old child, he was content with that. He was cool because he was with his mama. He had something to eat. There was nothing on his face or countenance that anything was wrong. Right. And God, like, that is what is required by us to be. We have to have the type of trust and faith in God with our lives that we're able, you know, to do his will from day to day and don't get caught up in the affairs and the cares of this world. Because you remember in verse 1 of chapter 18, the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And Christ went and grabbed a child and said, this is the greatest in the kingdom. Your whole mindset of trying to be great and trying to figure out how many souls you're going to win and how big your business is and all these other type of things, these are things I'm not interested in. That's not the point. The point of the cross was to bring you into relationship with me so that when I, when I set up my earthly kingdom, you'll be able to reign with me. That's why... Christ said the foxes have holes, the birds have a place where they can go, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to rest his head. Because really, when you think about it, we're supposed to be able to be, in a spiritual sense, homeless. We're in the world, but we're not of it. We don't get so caught up and wrapped up into we, the things of the world or the ambitions of the world that it, we, we try to make a home. And when you pull back and look at the entire New Testament, nobody was like that. Paul said, you know, I could be content in all things, whether I have or I don't, whether I'm full or empty, whether I'm rich or I'm poor. And when you think about it, that is the story of every case of all the disciples or anybody in the New Testament. You think of Paul, he was in jail. Paul and Silas were in jail praising God. Their expectation we're, they weren't praising God because God was going to get them out of jail. They weren't even thinking about getting out of jail. They were praising God because he's God, no different than the homeless people I saw in the park. And just because God sent an angel or earthquake and got them out of jail, and then they didn't even really leave the jail. They wanted to make sure that everything was straight with the jailer because they didn't want him to get in trouble. But their praise and their acknowledgement of God had nothing to do with their circumstances. And that's what we have to do. If you look at, you study the life of Paul, he had been shipwrecked three times. He had been stoned a couple of times. He had went through all type of things. And it never affected his zeal and his witness. John the Baptist, the Bible says, the greatest prophet born of men. He was, I guess you could say, homeless, living out in the wilderness, eating locusts, grasshoppers with a loincloth on, telling people to repent for the kingdom of of heaven was at hand. The, the disciples, they moved from city to city, from place to place, not wor worrying or caring about exactly what they were going to accumulate or material items they needed. Christ told them, your job is to go 
and be witnesses of men. So the role. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were taking a breath. Can I read some of the stuff that's in the chat room, or you want me to wait till you finish your thought? No, you can. Okay. Um, first of all, there's a lot of stuff. First of all, let me say thank you to everybody that's in the chat room. To Curly, Indie Lady, we have a guest. Um, Noval, Hyro, Dropping Seed, Tiff, Mama Smokey, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Indie Lady put um, in the chat room, I can't stay long but wanted to drop by. So I just told her thank you. It means so much, and it means a lot to all of us, even if you only – peek your head in for a couple of minutes, it really does mean a lot um, to me and to, to everybody else. We need to check on everybody. Um, just to put it out there, um, just a reminder, if everybody can check on Annie. I haven't seen Annie in the chat room for a while. And um, I also haven't seen, oh, my gosh, there was one other person that I wrote down in my mind just drew a blank. But anyway, it will come to me before the end of the Oh, Christine Pembleton, which is Christian Wives Club. Remember, she's pregnant. So if anybody has her email address, I don't have it. We can check on her. Um, very quickly, uh, the um, Pastor Montan McDonald, he said, I love the analogy that Dee is using. Um, we must be like a child. Um, uh, <laughs> Dropping seats said, it's so hard to concentrate on my job on Thursdays while listening to this show. <laughs> well, we need to keep you employed. <laughs> um, Mama Smokey said that, uh, hold on one second, let me scroll back up. You cannot have an agenda. Um, is, is knowing without the expectations of, of anything. Um, and she was talking about um, just your relationship with God. And I just want to add to the, as you're speaking, you know, I wake up in the morning, thank God, and I got uh, this really cool coffee maker. I don't know if you guys have seen them, like, on eBay or whatever, where you buy, like, these little cups. It's a teeny-weeny, almost like a, um, the top that's on top of a, a mouthwash bottle or something like that, and you can buy it with coffee, tea, or hot chocolate or whatever. So I go into my kitchen in the morning very early, lift up the top, pop in one of these little cups, and a perfect cup of coffee pours out. I mean, it pours it right enough where I can add some milk, and there's my cup of coffee. And after that, I proceed to come into my home office, log on, check emails, you know, get ready to hang out with you guys, watch some news with my remote control on my TV with cable, and I still can't find time to go witness. And, you know, this message is really putting us all out on front street <laughs> because, especially me, because here I am thinking at times, not now, but previously that I have nothing to say, I have nothing to contribute, and here you are talking to people that don't have a tenth of what I have. You see what I'm saying? Like here I am saying, oh, my goodness, I only have, you know, this much of hazelnut coffee left this morning. i got to run to the store because I don't have my favorite coffee with this particular, you know, it, it just sounds so um, gregarious that that's the biggest issue of my day. And, and, and everything is always relative. It's always relative. Like me, you know, if I got $50 in the bank, I'm like, dang, I don't have any money. But to these people with the Bertie Madoff scandal, you know, they're, they're down to $3 billion. They don't have any money. It's relative. But when you talk about a little kid in a parking lot sitting on the curb eating, you know, if that was my kid and he's probably five years old, I'm screaming, get off the curb, you with this filthy, go sit in the car. You know, we don't even want our kids to lean against the building, just standing there. And here's a kid literally sitting on the ground eating, content. And so when you talk about us being content with what we have and where we are, that's very sobering for me. 
this is very, very sobering for me because I'm like, Dag, Cy, <laughs> you, it's not that bad. You're, you, you're, you're not that bad off. And so I, I just, you know, say good looking out to share it and put it and, and use that parable because that parable makes it a lot easier to understand what God is saying and what Jesus is saying in the book of Matthew. So thank you for sobering me up today. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, we are the generation of ambition and making it happen and creating it and 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 want to do all these things. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me juxtapose that by the reality of being a Christian. When you study everybody in the Bible, you start with Abraham. He started off as a friend of God, content. He was going about his business and on a daily basis, worshiping and thanking God for whatever it is he was doing. He had no ambition to be the father of many nations. He didn't even think about it. He was doing his thing, and then one day God shows up with two angels, and he decides to greet them and say, hey, hold on one second, let me make you all some food. Can you stay a minute? And then that's when, you know, they God reveals to him, you're going to be the father of many nations, you're going to have a... Sarah's going to have a son, and this is what I'm going to do with you. But it wasn't something that Abraham was pursuing, because the Bible says in the New Testament, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, or add everything else unto you. Your destiny, whatever God has ordained for you, will overtake you. But we've been taught to go pursue and make it happen. But when you study the Bible, it doesn't work that way. When David was content. He was a shepherd in the mountain, tending sheep, fighting bears and lions and tigers, and he just happens to come upon the king, and the, he asks, why is this Philistine talking all this bad stuff about God? And then his destiny overtook him, and he became the next king. It wasn't something he was planning or scheming, or it wasn't a career move. When Noah was doing his thing. He was another person that was a friend of God. He was doing whatever he was doing on a day-to-day -day basis, content with his life and his lot. And out of nowhere, God says, Noah, put down the drink, chill, up, chill on the wine for a second. I want you to build an ark so that you and your family can be saved. His destiny overtook him. It's not something that he went after. If you look in the New the disciples all had their own business. They all had their own life. They were doing their own thing. They was content with that. They had no plans or goals or visions of being a disciple. Christ comes along, calls them, and their destiny overtook them. So we have to have the faith because this word faith has been so distorted and perverted to mean all these other things. But Christ was saying, Faith is in the context of being a child. When you look at the usage of the word faith, it appears 245 times in the Bible. One of the first times it appears, it, it talks about being persuaded. You can take down Romans 4, 17 through 22. Faith is a, Romans what? 4, 17, uh, chapter 4, verse 17 through 22. And it's basically, faith is a, 
is you being persuaded that as a child, because God is your father, he's going to do what he said he, he's going to do, even if he don't tell you what he said, because you are persuaded and trusting in him. Faith also means having, placing confidence in, and you can find that in Ephesians 3.12. Faith also is the substance or conviction of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. That's hold Hebrew. On, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on. I'm still back on Ephesians 3.12. Hold on one second, D. I don't want to slow your roll, but hold on one second. So in Ephesians 3.12, it says, In him through faith, wait, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So what was your point about Ephesians 3, uh, 3.12 again? I'm sorry. The point, I'm, I'm listening because I'm trying to tell the truth about faith. So okay. essence, faith is about placing confidence in that when your child comes to you and asks you to make him some food, he has the confidence that you're gonna, you can do that. You can make it happen. You have the ability and the capability to take care of him. So that's illustrated in Ephesians 3.12. Oh, I love it. I love that. So faith can equate to confidence. I love that. Okay. Keep going. Also, faith is about having an absolute dependence upon and reliance in the Word of God and Christ. That's You can look at a reference from Matthew 8, verse 8 through 10. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm flipping back to Matthews. Hold on. I'm sorry. I mean, I said Matthews. I meant Matthew. You said Matthew what, D? Eight. Matthew eight. Hold on. Okay, Matthew eight what? Eight, eight through ten. Oh, okay. So Matthew eight, eight through ten says, The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he does, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does. So how does that connect the dots? Staying in that situation, he was seeking God um, for the health or restoration or health of his servant. And basically he's you don't have to come to my house and physically lay hands on them or doing that. Just say the word, and I know it's going to jump off. I know it's going to happen. So faith is basically having that absolute dependence and reliance on the word of God and Christ, that if he says it, it's going to happen as it's going to happen. You don't, you don't need anything else. You don't need to be like, if God says he's, he's going to do X, Y, Z for you, you don't have to be you don't have to be like, okay, God, well, if you're really going to do that, make the phone ring. Make the lights flick off in the room. Oh, yeah. Okay. Doorbell. You know, all these things that we do, you know, you're not really, you don't, you're not trusting. Because like like you said in Matthew 18, we got to be able to be converted back into a child's mentality because in the sense of having that trust in our Heavenly Father. So when we tell, you know, Tell your your three or four or five year old that you're gonna go to the store and buy them some hot cocoa. They believe it. If you yeah. tell them you 
If you have a track record of always doing what you say, if you tell them you're going to the moon this weekend, they're going to believe it until you prove them wrong. So that's how we're supposed to be with God, that we have a trust in his word, and we and we pray without ceasing, meaning prayer is communication throughout the days, not necessarily going in a closet and closing your eyes and, and all of that. It is a constant having your spirit open to communicate with God even on your job or you're eating at lunch or whatever you're doing that you're constantly communicating and seeking advice and guidance that whatever he tells you you believe it's going to happen like that so it's a twofold meaning not just the physical bible word but also the communication see it still it goes back to what you know if you go back to Matthew chapter 18, the children always wanted to come around Christ. And the disciples always were trying to keep the children away. But Christ was like, no, this is how you have to be because they just want to be around me because they like me. Y'all want to be around me because y'all want to be great. Y'all want to learn how to heal people. Y'all want to walk on water. Y'all want to do this. You want to sit at my right hand. You want to sit at my left. Y'all got motives and agendas. The children... Finish, I have something to say about that. Mm hmm You know, I always look at that. Now I understand how you just said that children always wanted to be around Jesus. I figured this out not so long ago. You know how you have a baby, and you say, oh, here, go to your cousin so-and-so, and they're like, mm, <laughs> you know, and they, like, pull away. And what do we do as adults? We're like, oh, don't do that. That's your mother's sister or something like that. I believe that kid could probably pick up on that person's spirit because they have nothing else to go by but their gut. Is that kind of the same thing when you just said children really wanted to be around Jesus? Yeah, because they come in here as innocent as, as, as humanly possible until they get tainted by the world, the world mindset, the mind system. That's why Christ said you got to be born again. When you become saved, you have to be able to reprogram, life remix your, your mentality because we are conditioned. The ways of the world, the, the, the corporate system, the academic system, the Oprah and the view and every other thing, they're programming you to look after the things of the temporal world that when Bernie Mac dies, None of this stuff matters. Any of the accolades or the things, you can't take any of this stuff with you. You know, when a billionaire commits suicide a couple of weeks ago, it what in his life actually mattered that was relevant? Right. You know, all that we pursue after um, so we can have all this stuff on our tombstone, I mean, or have an incredible... Um, program or obituary read, what difference does it make? You're not going to be there to hear it. So what Christ was trying to convey to the people is that in order to inherit the kingdom and walk with me, because we all say, oh, yeah, we're children of the Most High. God is our Father, but we don't act like it because we don't want to be around him. We don't care about the stuff that he's interested in. We don't want to spend any time with him. We just want them to buy us something or do something. So if that's your expectation level, you don't really have a, a real relationship, and that's therefore you have this incredible hole and void in your soul that you try to fill with 
every other thing. So when you turn on the news and you see Ted Haggard going through all these incredible revelations, even though he had the super mega church and he had the, you know, the cars and the houses and all the money and access to the White House, he was wild and out of control because he could not get the roadmap how to actually come into a true relationship. So he ha- he tried to fulfill it with all these other things, and that's the sad tragedy. I mean, I know firsthand for a fact that a lot of our superstar preachers, um, they they see psychiatrists. Um, wow. I know. You know, Christian psychiatrists. So I'm like, you got the jet, you got the cars, you got all the stuff, and you're preaching and telling us that if you get all this, you'll be happy, you'll be walking in the kingdom, and meanwhile, you you laying up on a couch miserable because the reality is that lifestyle is not going to do it for you. I mean, that's why you look at so many stars and celebrities and people who achieve great, quote-unquote, wealth and fame, and they're miserable or on addicted to different type of substances because they get it and realize, man, this is not it because we all have this. We were created to be in relationship with God. So you have this innate innate uh, void that only Christ can fill. So if you don't move into that area, if you don't get converted back to a child type of relationship, then that's, that hole is always going to be there. You'll never be able to fill it, and sooner or later you're going to self-destruct. But back to the faith thing to wrap this up is just like a child, you have to be able to fully surrender and yield in obedience to all known truth. Whatever it is your parents tell you, you know, if they say, don't do this, don't do that, as a child, you believe it and you yield to it and you trust and obey that. Um, Romans 1, uh, 5, it, you've got to be able to wholly and unreservedly trust in the faithfulness of God that whatever it is, he, he, he's going to continue to be faithful to us. I mean, you look at, my, I look at myself, how many times I've whined and complained and acted up, and yet and still God has always been continually faithful because I know for 10 years while I was being a church crackhead, I was... I I'm was sorry, all, I had to get that laugh in. <laughs> sorry. I thought, I thought the kingdom of heaven was about the journey, or as the preachers say at the beginning of the year, watch night, and they get up there and tell you, God's going to do this. He's going to move in this. And three months from now, this is going to happen to this. You base your whole experience and relationship on God based on what he's going to do or what the preacher says he's going to do, and that's not relationship. That's not faith. Faith doesn't have anything to do with that. It is, you have to put it into a context of a child and a father relationship so that you get back to the peace. I mean, that's why, you know, Christ was so disappointed in the disciples when they were on the boat and the storm was coming and they were whining and crying and acting like little girls on the on the boat. And he was like, don't you know, don't y'all have faith? Don't you have trust? Do you not know who I am? I mean, you need to be content whether it's a storm going on or if I say wind be still and it's still, you have to be able to be thankful and content 
in your own personal storms or if the weather is good. And why Christ was so disappointed is like, like us, most Christians, we can't act right unless there's no storm. Everything's got, got to be perfect weather for us to be able to act right. And that's not a re, that's not a reality. Because he, when he tells you you got to take up your cross and follow him, that means it's going to be some storms, it's going to be some peaks, it's going to be some valleys. It's, in order for you to grow, you're going to have to have pain. You're going to have to stretch. So if you always have to have great weather in order to, to praise God or to be a witness to God or spend time with God, then you don't really have a real relationship. You've made an idol out of his ability to make things right in your life. You made an idol out of his ability to just bless you, but you don't want to deal with anything. I mean, Christ himself had to endure 40 days and 40 nights of temptation out in the wilderness. He had to go through the Garden of Gethsemane. He had to be betrayed. He had to deal with all these different things. So why would we think not we wouldn't have to deal with it? And then finally, when you look at relationships, you look at John the Baptist, I mean, not John the Baptist, but you look at the Apostle John. He was always called the Beloved because he had the closest relationship to Christ. He was more like a child. He just relied on Christ regardless. He was the only disciple that showed up at the crucifixion. And at the end, he was the one that received the revelation, the book of Revelations, which is the revelation of Christ. The book of Revelation is not some scary, apocalyptic, left behind book. Those people who say all that don't know what they're talking about. They haven't interpreted correctly. Because when you really look at it, the symbols and the analogies and the stuff really comes from a real Jewish perspective. And the book of Revelation means something totally different. And that's another show. But the point of the fact is John, Apostle John got the revelation while he was on the island of Patmos. He was in exile. He was in a prison way off somewhere. It was his circumstances and situations were not good. Yet he was in such a relationship with God regardless of the uh, circumstance that Christ gave him the revelation of the things to come, uh, a full view of the kingdom that we all hope to walk in one day. So it's a very difficult message because whether you want to ignore it pass it off, go do whatever it is you're going to do. At the end of the day, you're going to be alone with yourself sooner or later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, you, you're going to look in the mirror. Yeah, you can't always be in a crowd. There's not always going to be a party. There's not always going to be the Super Bowl or something to distract you from the lonely void and soul and spiritual discontentment. You could be in a chap- church with 10,000 people and don't feel anything because at the end of the day, it's all based on the personal relationship that we're supposed to grow to that we don't because we base our relationship with God, with Christ, on an expectation, on a on a, a, a quid pro quo, on if I do this, you do that, and you do this, I do that, and I do this, 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 and that, and I'm going to get this, 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 and that. It's all circumstances. It's not a true, as Christ said in, in chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, he said, I solemnly tell you the truth. You won't enter into the kingdom unless you come with this child. 
the child has no motive and agenda to be with me. And it, until we get to that point, which is going to be very difficult in America and Western culture, we will never be spiritually fulfilled. We'll always be have the void. So it's just a matter if we're going to make the life remix and make these adjustments to our mentality and have the trust and the dependence on Christ and have the true faith, not the, you know, prosperity preacher faith. That's not faith. That's magic. Not magic. <laughs> magic is. Magic is you take formulas, you go get the rabbit hair and the goat the goat hair and you mix it with, with the with the uh, the bat feces and you put it all together and you say some chants and bam, it happens. That's magic. And that's what the you know, the prosperity preachers have done with the Bible. They take some scriptures out of context they throw them together, you say them over and over again, bam, it happens. And, yeah, it does happen in some instances because, you know, God's word doesn't come back void. But, see, the motive and agenda is not the will and trust of God. They're taking stuff out of Scripture and making it work for their own will and ambition to do what they want to do. So it's no longer faith. It's magic. You might as well have a big Mickey Mouse hat on like Fantasia, because that's exactly what you're doing. You're not working faith. You're working magic. So that's another message. Yeah, well, you know what? It's precisely to that point, <laughs> precisely to that point, Hyrode put in the chat room, he raises so many good points. Each one is a conversation unto itself. Um, and Dropping Seeds said magic is based on deception. Um, and I put... I do this show because I'm trying to learn myself, and now the conversation has switched to it's all an illusion. Magic is all an illusion. It's smoke and mirrors. And that's what you were saying before, how, um, how the preachers kind of wave this magic wand or something like that, and we're supposed to believe it. I'll tell you, I attended a megachurch, and it was good. It, 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 it was what it was. But I also, a couple of weeks ago, I went with Curvy Queen to this um, service in Newark, New Jersey. And I may have shared this with you all on the air before, that um, it was in a tough part of Newark. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, let me just make it to the church safely. And I went to the service. The, the ceiling had fallen in in the sanctuary because of the snow or water or whatever. It was heavy, so they had it in the basement. I'm trying to paint this picture. We are in a not-so-great area. We are in the basement, which is small. It almost looks like the basement of someone's house, next to a lot. Blah, blah, blah. The point is there was so much Jesus there. I would go back there today if they said they were having service. Now, compared to me in this beautiful big sanctuary with thousands of well-heeled individuals with fur coats and Mercedes, and I'm not flashing luxury, but I'm just saying the presence of God was so in the little rinky-dinky place, and I couldn't, it wasn't to be found in the big church once I realized what the face of God truly, truly looks like. And it was just mind-blowing to me. And I try to come every single day with that spirit of a child, like, look, I know there's a lot of stuff I don't know, God. What can I learn today? Um, uh, let me just read some stuff real quick. Um Curvy Queen says, will this broadcast be available for rebroadcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just go to Life Remix Radio. 
com, and then it'll automatic. You can download it and save it. I tell you all, save these shows while you can. Please do. Um, and I'm just going to leave that at that. Uh, real quick, um, Cur- Curly says magic is no question demonic. Well, I. Give me permission. I extended the show, everybody, just because I know Dee is at a quiet place today. <laughs> and also uh, because I knew the conversation may extend. Curly, put in the chat room if I'm allowed to share your story about the, um, about the, 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 the fire in the, in the house. Um, let's go back to see what else. Tiffany says the chat room makes the show seem like I'm missing so much. Oh, LOL. <laughs> Uh, Tiff says, you guys are good commentators. Yeah, she's talking about the chat room. I have a very active chat room, and I say that to any time I have a guest on the show, I let them know my my chat room is off the chain. It's very active and very busy. Okay, good. I just got the word from Curly that I can share a story uh, very quickly about something that he experienced was demonic. Uh, but how about you call in? Can you call in? Let me just wait to hear him back. And, and Dee, wait till you hear what he says. Uh, put in the chat room, Dave, hurry up if you can call in. Uh, let me see, I'm just waiting. He's probably listening. Curly, can you call in? Five, four, if not, I'm going to tell the story. But I would, he said tell it right, so I guess that's an indication that, uh, oh, okay, so he is calling in. Okay, good. Yeah, you call in because I don't want to screw up your story if you can keep it to like five minutes. Wait till you hear this, everybody. And this is proof. From uh, that there is demonic stuff out there, and unless you come to the Lord as a child, you're really going to get twisted, and you can't fall for everybody's okey-doke religion and everybody's okey-doke way. You have to know and use your gift of discernment to make sure you're following things the right way. Oh, okay. Um, thank you, um, Curvy Queen. She just put the show's number in the chat room. Um, 347-633-9113. So thank you so much. Let me check the switchboard very quickly just to see if you're on. Uh, okay, there he is. All right, hold on. What's up, D? I got another D. I got a lot of Ds in my life. <laughs> Hi, Dave. How are you? Hey, Miss Lady. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, the only reason I asked you to come on is because um, Dewan, my Atlanta D, <laughs> touched on the demonic part and I thought the conversation that you and I had that day about what happened at your mother's house would so snugly fit and prove the point. So if you can, I extended the show because it's four minutes to one now, um, but if you could be so kind, if you could tell it in a couple minutes because I really want us to talk about what happened that day. DeWan in Atlanta, are you still there? Yeah. Can you stick around for a couple more minutes? Yep. Okay, good. Okay, D, my my New Jersey D, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, we we kind of speak take, up, Dave. Uh, I can't hear you a little bit. First of all, we take uh, demons and magic and all those sorts of uh, trickery lightly, and it's nothing to be taken lightly. I mean, demons are out there. Uh, there is uh, no question a devil as well as a god. And uh, one of the experiences I had years ago was uh, being deep into the church. Uh, we had started having problems in our family. And my father's aunt at that time, who never came to our house, decided to come by one day, and she planted these plants in our front lawn. And uh, I'm pretty sure everybody knows about roots, but this is what this woman had done. And roots are definitely part of uh, demonic spirits. 
So in any case, to make the story short, we uh, started having major problems, everybody arguing with each other, and my mother and father definitely going at it. And my mother reading a book, which everybody can probably go and get, uh, called Pigs in the Parlor, kind of brought some light to this whole situation. So my brother and I, my brother being a, a definitely a, a minister in Christ and spiritual and, and God-fearing man, realized that these plants had something to do with it. So what we had done was we dug the plants up without my father knowing it, put them in a garbage can, we took them and put them in a truck and took them down in, the, uh, in an area by Liberty Park in Jersey City and we dumped them. I had three containers of gasoline. Now, if anybody knows anything about gas, if you light it, you'll have a very large fire. Uh, I poured these three gallons of gas on these plants, and I threw a match on it, and it didn't light. Uh, several times we tried, the plants would not light. Uh, I went back to the gas station and got another gallon and poured on there. We prayed some more, and the Spirit of the Lord led me to pour this gasoline out away from the plants and then light it. And we did that. And when the plants caught fire, they were literally not burning. And it wasn't until my brother started speaking in tongues and really fighting against the enemy and the spirits that were within, uh, I guess, these plants, <laughs> uh, did they start to burn. But no sooner than we had gotten home and uh, my mother was anointing the uh, the doorways and praying the spirits out of the house. Not even a week later, things started to get back to normal. And this is just a witness to me to let you guys know that uh, demons are out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Spirits, you know, you can talk about witchcraft, you can talk about card reading, all of that stuff is of the devil. So, uh, you know, don't want to take up everybody's time with that, but that's, that's what we fail to realize. And if you want to get that book, it's called Pigs in the Parlor. Get that at probably any Christian bookstore. Well, um, Mama Smokey said that is a great book, and um, that's why I asked Dee because I probably couldn't have told it that way. But the part that really freaked me out was when you were like, I poured the gas on it, and the plant, the way you said it to me when you told it to me the first time was it just went, like, you know how you take a match or whatever and you just run it under your water and it just goes, like the you just said the, the it just like it was nothing it just went like it's fighting back saying we're not gonna burn na 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 yeah that's that exactly what happened that freaked me out mm -hmm. exactly that what happened out. well they're real and uh, they're also real in people uh, you know believe it or not there are people that we come in contact with that have demonic spirits within them I mean it could be mm. a friend of yours and sometimes. They have to realize that, and you have to have those demons cast out of you. And it's not like you have to go to a sorcerer. You need to be in Christ. You need to get saved, and you need to deliver yourself uh, by going to a pastor and having these demons prayed out of you. And a lot of us take that lightly. We take salvation lightly. It's nothing to take lightly because, as uh, I believe you were talking about earlier, once we hit that grave, and I think Dee said something about that, uh, when we die, all that materialistic stuff means nothing. You know, you can't it's either take heaven it or hell. Anyway. Can't take it with you, so you can't buy your way into heaven, that's for sure. Well, I know the Bible says it's easier for, what is it, a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Absolutely. Yeah, terrible, basically. Thank you, D, for calling in. Thank you, D. I appreciate it. No problem. Atlanta, D, pick it up from there. 
Yeah, that parable where it says it's easier for a camel to enter into a needle's eye than a rich man to enter into heaven. Basically, what he was saying, their um, entrances into Jerusalem, and they call it a needle's eye, that um, travelers would have to come in with camels. And the, the entrances were so low and so small that you would have to uh, take everything off the camel, and the camel would have to, like, bend down and and crawl through, which camels don't like to do that. They're, like, impossible to get them to do that, to go to make it through the entrance of the city. And what he was saying is either for a camel to go to take everything off, all unpack everything and bend down and go through there, than for a rich man to take everything off of him, all the riches, all the ambition, all the accolades, all the stuff that he put his trust in. Because you got to understand, whether they're a Christian or a preacher or a celebrity or whatever, when you get that money, you start taking your trust away from God like a child, and then you put your trust in what you got in the bank and what you can or who you can buy and what influence you can have on it. So then that's why Christ says you can't serve two masters. You're going to either love one or hate the other because money will eventually make you try to, will make you choose who you're going to trust, who you're going to have faith in, who you're going to follow. Because money is a worldly thing. It's, it has its own rules and protocols to it. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's not the point. I'm just saying the scriptures say the deceitfulness of riches. It didn't say rich, some riches. It just said riches, period. So that means you have to know if God blesses you with a lot of money, you have to be very careful because inherent in those riches is deceit. And it could get you off track. As Solomon said, he realized at the end of his life it was all vanity. But to go back to New Jersey D's point, when you study the Shema prayer, and it's S-H-E-M-A, and you put that in, um, it's Deuteronomy chapter 4. Um, and then I can't remember right off the top of my head mm-hmm. what the verses were. But if you do, if you Google Shema prayer, the Jews believe in anointing all the door, their, their entranceways to their house, the doorposts. Yeah. A lot of people do that too, actually. We did that when we moved here last year. They actually put this um, scroll, it's called a Manusa scroll, on the entrance of their house and all the other um, passages, doorways in their house because it's a hedge of protection and it keeps people focused on on God and Christ because it's no different than it's similar to how in the Old Testament when, you know, Joshua and they had to put the blood over the doorpost to prevent the destroyer from um, from coming. So, oh, the actual scripture for the Shema prayer is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, okay. And Deuteronomy eleven thirteen through twenty one. So Deuteronomy six four through nine, and Deuteronomy eleven thirteen to twenty one. Okay, I got it. Yeah, and then, it. so if anybody listens to the archive, they can write it down too. And then the last part is Numbers fifteen thirty seven through forty one. Numbers fifteen thirty seven through forty one. I got it. 
Yeah, you, 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 like the scriptures say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities right. and power. So, um, yeah, you have to be fully cognizant. I've gone through different phases of my life, um, to where I realized certain things were affecting me. Like, you know, when I, once I, I came out of the matrix or the church system, I had to get rid of a lot of the stuff that pertained to that particular church. I had to cut off all the ties and throw away the tapes and the DVDs and all these things that had brought a curse to me because I realized at this particular church, I had made this whole system a platform, an idol, because it was something that I was esteeming higher than God, and it had become in God's place. So then when I got pulled out of it and, 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 and away from it, what did God do in the Old Testament? He had the people to destroy the idols. So if I wanted to break the curses off of my life that were affecting me, the things that I kept wondering, why does these things keep happening to me? Why do these accidents happen? Why do these crazy stuff keep happening? Because I was operating the spirits or the curse of that situation was prevalent in my life. I had to get rid of all that stuff. Even throw away the church fan or the program or all that stuff. I didn't want any any of that around me whatsoever in my house because I didn't want it to bring that energy to me no more. Well, I, I guess we do have to be careful. Let me see what's going on in the chat room. Hold on. Because uh, I'm toggling between the switchboard and the chat room. Uh, actually, Curvy Queen put in the chat room and I clicked on it and I was actually looking at it while you were talking. Pigs in the Parlor, A Practical Guide to Deliverance by Frank Hammond and Ida Mae Hammond. It is available on Amazon.com. If you get it used, you can get it from $5.50. If you get it new, it's from $6. They have one collectible at $10. Um, and it's from Impact Christian Books, and it's from 1973, which is beautiful because that still goes to show us that the word was the same yesterday, today, as it will be tomorrow. So if we can take a book that was done in 1973 and still apply it to our life today, there has to be some um, some truth to what we're talking about. Um, in the chat room, uh, oh, Mama Smokey said to Curly, thanks for sharing that, Curly. Yeah, because that's kind of personal. That's why I said, can I share it? You know, if he just said no, you just no, it would have been no. But um, High Road says, God set it up so life can be real simple. We cause difficulty for ourselves by adding strange ingredients to the mix. This is a call for self-examination. Start identifying and destroying the idols in your life. Wowzers. Yeah, all I can do is agree with that. Well, you have to because think about it. Um, like a child, if a child is, has, if, if, if you've ever stayed with your grandparents, and other relatives, if they have too many influences, then they're not going to be able to hear uh, the commands or uh, the directions of their parents if there's too many people trying to tell them what to do and there's too many different influences around. So in order for you to be able to hear from God and get the direction, you have to get rid of the distractions and idols and it's other things that influence you so that you can get the clear, precise word that you that you need. And whatever it is, I mean, each situation is different. Whatever it is that you got to do to get your situation straight, that's what you do. You know, 
for me, it was required of me to get rid of all that stuff, regardless of how stupid it may sound. He threw away all those DVDs and tapes. Yes, I did. That's what I needed to do. For somebody else, they might something else. You have to do whatever it is that you need to do to get yourself free um, from a situation, just like, you know, Daryl, you know, uh, said, you know, he just couldn't just throw away the plants. He needed to burn them up. So you have to do whatever God is calling you to do for your own personal sanity or freedom so that you can, you know, get to where you need to get to. Well, yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Well, what I did was um, I extended the show a little bit just enough so that we didn't get cut off at 1 o'clock. Um, and Dropping Seed Radio said he would like to have you on his show. His show airs Saturday mornings, and it's uh, for our time on the East Coast, it's at 11 a.m. Um, and so, D, what what is the contact information that I can provide on the Internet right now through the chat room? Um, you can put C O L E is an Edward O N yeah. at scepterentertainment dot com. That's S C E P T E R Entertainment dot com. Anybody can hit me up on that. Is that fully it's fully spelled out, right? Yep. Coleon at scepterentertainment dot com. Okay, good. Um, so based on that, oh wait, continue. I'm sorry, D. I'm sorry. When are we gonna do the show with Pastor Monta? Uh, I don't. Well, that's the, that's with y'all. His show is Saturday. He's my unofficial pastor, so I um I listen to his show on just about every Saturday. Last Saturday, um, I was in and out. Um, but usually I'm pretty focused and sitting at my computer when when his show is on Saturday morning at 11. So I don't know how far ahead he plans his shows or his guests. So that's something you guys can can work out that I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I'm sure all of us will follow you there. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be like, hey, D is on Pastor M's show. Let's go there. So I don't know. Uh, I don't. My computer just hiccuped. Uh, make sure everybody's still connected. Okay, it was just put in the chat room. I don't know. Maybe he's working right now because don't forget the time that this show is on, a lot of people are working. So I don't know. But anyway, it's one twelve. You want to give your final thoughts, Steve? Contentment. Great godliness. Great gain is with contentment. Well, in it, uh, he just put in the chat room. Um, he's emailing you now. That's where he was. Um, Mama Smokey said, yay, that will be a show. Uh Hi, Road, I see your uh, your message. I'll shoot you an email. Uh, and that's how that is. He says, we have some openings in March. Look at him, baller. <laughs> he is balling. We have some openings in March. <laughs> that's funny. But uh, anyway, uh, that's it. Is that the end of the show? Yeah, I I hear the uh, the music. They're playing the music and the closing credits are scrolling. <laughs> you are a nut. You said they're playing the closing credits. Well, I guess our final thought. I mean, what was uh, what was real for me was when you talked about the little kid sitting outside eating because I have this vision of a little kid like sitting on the curb by a McDonald's eating his French fries out of a bag. 
And, you know, I think about, you know, my kids are teenagers, and they're all out on the street leaning on, you know, their friends are sitting on garbage cans and all that crazy nonsense or hanging on the corner, leaning on the walls and stuff. And I'm like, ew, that's dirty, don't do it. But just imagine this poor mother who just, you know, just said that's okay, and the kid is sitting there just eating food and just content because mom is there, they're getting a belly full, probably got a little prize in the bottom of the bag. And uh, it just makes me question or, or makes me be satisfied with where I am and not take anything for granted, really. Uh, you know, I, I am grateful. And it makes me want to do more for more people because I have so much. Like I'm sitting here with a laptop and wireless and all this other stuff. Why am I not spreading the word of God more? And I know we have to be balanced. I can't all of a sudden become over the top and start being negligent of my family responsibilities because I know a lot of people that are so on fire for the Lord that they start neglecting their family responsibilities. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm happy with everything that I have. And when I go, I really want God to say, you know what, Sai, well done, my good and faithful servant, not for kingdom credits, as you call it. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is that being a witness a lot of times it's, it's, it's in, it's, the scriptures say, it's not, showing love is not in speech or in the tongue, but it's in word and deed. If you go out to eat and leave a good tip, that will, that's showing the love of Christ. I mean, telling somebody, your waitress or your waiter, you know, God's, God bless you and you leave a dollar, that you didn't, you, you're not being a true witness. So, you know, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. If you go to a store, you know, you speak to people, you be friendly. You know, it's not always a scripture. I mean, it, your light shines in your actions, opening doors for people. Somebody drops something, you pick it up. I mean, these are the type of things people will notice. It, that's the spirit of Christ. It's not necessarily, you know, going to the park and talking to homeless people, but you should do that. But it's a, it's a constant lifestyle. Like when they mess up your order at, at, at Starbucks or whatever, you don't go off on the people and act crazy. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what it's about. Well, thanks, Dee. As always, we had an absolutely, there's my word absolutely, I have to come up with a new word. <laughs> we had a great show, and I thank you for being obedient to God and spending so much time with us today. I really, really appreciate it. And I encourage everybody to please, just hear my voice, please download these shows now. When you can, download them and save them. I don't want you to miss the message that's definitely coming from God to bless your life. Remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. I love you all for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye, D. And thanks, um, Jersey D. Bye, everybody. <laughs>